It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, March 22nd, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is starting to think the kids are all right, Russ. Yeah, I mean, good performance, really good performance. Yeah, we're going to have more on that win versus the Florida Panthers. Plus, we welcome special guest Jason Martinez to the show on today's Locked On Flyers. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here, as always, with the shadowy Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Flyers. That is where you'll keep up to date on all the Flyers news, our episodes, all that good stuff. You can also email the show at LockdownFlyers at Gmail. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Locked on Flyers is free and available anywhere you get your podcasts uh, and we're available on YouTube. So subscribe there as well. Uh, Just a quick programming note. Today's episode is a little longer than usual, but we had such an incredible conversation with Jason Martinez from Flyers Daily. We wanted to bring you the whole thing. So enjoy that, everybody. But first, we are going to talk about that six to three win over the Florida Panthers. And yeah, it felt like a really good showing for a lot of the younger guys on the team. Yeah, I did predict the high scoring game. Uh, pre game, I said seven five. So it wasn't that far off. I didn't know who would have the seven, who would have the five, but I knew Alex Lyon was giving up goals. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he did not have a great game, but the Flyers did good. They they did a lot of good things. The, the only thing is we also have to, you know, give a tip of the cap to Carter Hart because this game is impossible without him. And uh, I get a lot into Carter Hart later in this show for good reason. I mean, this is a reason why he's vital to their rebuild. I mean, it's a big reason because you can't move forward without having a goalie like this. But in the interim... Uh, good games out of Frost. Again, for people that think he's not turning the corner here, you have your expectations set way too high because he was a first-rounder. Get that out of your head because he's playing really well. Forster had a good game, although I will tell you, on the play with um, Barkov, where he had a two-step lead and Barkov was able to get to the puck and get the puck quickly from Forster, that's what he needs to work on with his skating Right. That's the little bit of slowness that I'm talking about because Barkov, I mean, again, he's a star, right? But Forster could be a really right. good player, especially if he's a little faster. So that's, you know, that just illustrates that. Um, Sandheim had a really... Yeah, and it just means he has to think a little yes, faster, it's too. All of it. and it's all of he'll it. he'll get there. Yes, it's all of it. Sandheim had a nice game. Uh, I can't say he's turned the corner yet. We, I just can't. Uh, but that's more of what you'd like to see from him. I saw some weird things, too. Uh, you know, the kid power play was fine. 
Uh, I think that's a little bit of a knock on the veterans that they played it a lot because they were getting, you know, better movement, but the power play is still what the power play is. It's still not great. The penalty kill was mixed bag because Carter Hart was essentially the penalty kill. Yeah, Carter Hart was absolutely a huge part of this win of 41 saves on 44 shots, which you knew, like we knew going into this game, Florida was going to come in hot with a lot of offensive power. And the question mark was their D and their goaltending. And sure enough, that's how it played out. And we said, as long as the Flyers could score some goals in this one, they had a really good shot. And and that's how it played out. But yeah, to to go back to the youth playing really well, uh, you know, Tyson Forster, despite, you know, some of those things we know he has to work on, two assists in this game. Igor Zamula, two assists in this mm-hmm. game. And I thought he had a, a few really nice plays that showed his, you know, hockey IQ there. Yeah, that one good zone entry that he made got into the zone and and Forster got a nice shot on net. It didn't go in, it didn't turn into anything. But it was really smart. Uh, he did play a smart game. I was happy for him. He was happy after the game. Uh, that was nice. You know, um, on the Florida side, Sam Reinhart thought that they were like slow to pucks. And I guess there's a little of that. Um, I didn't notice it as much as what he was saying. But, you know, maybe there was a little of that. Um, the Flyers offensively, like this was a really good offensive effort, though, because uh, the mm-hmm. defense did lapse. Spread out, too. Yeah, the defense lapsed at times. Like, on that third goal, everybody was low. It made no sense how far... Not the third goal, the second goal. Because uh, the third one was on that power play. Uh, everybody went low. And, and Barkov just kind of, you know, lulled them to sleep. But still, they did a little puck watching on that. Those are things that still have to get worked out. And um, John was interesting after the game because, you know, he talked about the youth. He talked about... Um, Charlie asked about, you know, not stripping it down to the studs. And he goes, yeah, he thinks there's pieces here that are really good. And, you know, if we could count on those next year and and create some space around them, we can backfill. And I'm going to tell you this, that is not what I exactly what I would do here, because you're now all of a sudden hoping that, you know, Couturier is good. Atkinson's good. And everything you see now, you're hoping is going to start the same way next year. And I can tell you from watching hockey a million years, it doesn't always work that way. And especially Never with the Flyers, plays out that it doesn't. Way. And so it's a nice, happy thought right now. But if you go into the offseason with that thought, you could end up in, in worse shape than in next year because then you're counting on more young guys for scoring, which I'm okay with to some degree, but you still have to have some players around them. And you don't know what those other two players are going to be like. And that's where you still might need to get a veteran, whether it's on the blue line or whether it's, you know, you know, a top six forward of some sort. It doesn't have to be a big money guy, but something where, hey, you've got somebody else you can count on. Because even Tortorella said, hey, it really, you know, kicked their butt when Konechny went out. I get it. That's exactly, it's totally true. But if you want to rebuild and continue to get better, then... When Konechny doesn't go, when he goes out the next time, whether it's next year, you can't just turn into, you know, a, your worst team because of it. you got to have more secondary scoring. So one of the things that gave me a little more hope about that situation and potential backfill and all of that, uh, he was asked specifically about Brendan Lemieux post game, And he basically said, 
yeah, he's playing it well, but but don't count any chickens here. Yeah. I felt like he was very measured. No, he was. And I think in the in the past, like, and at least you know, in the back of all our of our heads, if Chuck Fletcher was still the GM, we knew he would get signed, yes. right? And and now that that that's definitely not the case, and I think um, Tortorella is trying to just be as even keeled and not set as many expectations as to what will or, or won't happen with these players in the off season, that there really is going to be a holistic look at things. No, I agree. Cause again, I've seen Brendan Lemieux at his best. I've seen him at his worst and I've seen him go for long periods without doing anything offensively. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. that's, yeah, that's something you have to watch out for. Something else that was kind of weird. I'd lost track of it after a couple of periods, but you know, first couple of periods, I mean, Morgan Frost was doing way better again than Noah Cates on faceoffs, and you know, Torch just kept right. trotting him out there. And you know, there has to be a point where you give Morgan Frost those faceoffs because he's winning them. And Frost could get better at it. Like yep. I said, he could he'll get stronger. He'll even get better. But right now, he's you know, lately he's better at faceoffs than Cates. He just is. Yeah, I think so too. But overall, I think they did the things they had to do to win the yep. game. Although maybe I would have liked them to like not be so unselfish and take that shot on the empty net. We all laughed about that. You know, John was like, I don't know what they were doing. And it's true. It's like, I get the unselfishness of both of them, but when you can put the game away and you're that close to the net, you don't worry about it. Right. You just got to do it. it. Yeah. 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 Right. All right. Well, uh, we have a lot to talk about with Jason Martinez. Like I said, it's a little bit of a long one, but totally worth it. So much good stuff. And we will get to that next. The midway point of the NBA season's here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000, that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. You still could always bet the Milwaukee Bucks. They're really good. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. What's up, guys? Trey Matthews of Locked On Devils here. And let me tell you about Discover Debit Cash Back. Wings for the game? Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey? Boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run could score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's a guaranteed win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one is a real game-changer. Check out Transaction Eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit discover bank member fdic all right so as we teased at the top of the show we are thrilled to welcome from flyers daily jason martitas how you doing jason doing good rachel coming down to the the dog days of the season Yes, yes we are and a lot has been happening recently so 
want to get started with uh, the Danny Briere era here. Now that he is the interim GM, how do you see his working relationship with John Tortorella playing out for the rest of the season? I mean, we've heard Torts talk as far back as training camp about having conversations with Danny. And I think a lot of those were kind of been talking about Travis Konechny, you know, sitting down with Danny and then, and then Torts sitting down with Danny. And he said several times this year, and it was, I know some people kind of picked up on it as like flair that not a Brent flair, but um, that Danny was the heir apparent and towards people go, well, he's undermining because he's complimenting Danny, you know? Uh, but no, I think the relationship will be fine. I think Danny from my understanding was in favor of Torts and did agree that, you know, he was the type of coach that this organization needed. Now I don't even say the team, I say the organization because mm-hmm. I, I think, the way Torts has coached the organization is far different from the way Torts has coached the team. I think there's two different things there because I think the way that he operates is he just walks around with a big full length mirror and he just holds it up. (laughs) And if you don't like the reflection, then that's on you and you should make some changes. And I think that that's what he's done. So I think that working relationship will be fine. Um, You know, how it develops as the team develops provided it should will be the ultimate question. And, you know, just one thing about torts and any coach that seems to be over the age of 58 is uh, they prefer to play the veterans. They can't develop players. That's like this narrative. I think it's baloney for some coaches. That's true. And there's other coaches that that's not true, but they want a lot of people want to paint any coach that's been around. And like I said, is 58 years of age or older with that brush that they can't develop players. And Torts has developed players everywhere he's been. And just look at what he did in Columbus with a guy like Zach Warinsky. You would think Warinsky would have drove him a little crazy, you know, because of the way he really roams around. But he developed him very well. And um, you're hoping for some of that here with some D, whether it's Sandheim um, or, you know, up front, you got to develop players too. And I think the honesty part of it may be the biggest element that will help the players. So we'll see how that develops over time, though, as the team rises up. My thing with the torts and development is he'll do fine with the elitely trained athletes, you know, because like even Noah Cates at Minnesota Duluth, that's an elite program. But like guys that are a little bit of a project, he definitely doesn't want to see them until they're at a certain level. I think we probably all would agree on that. Yeah, I think he I think he gets in that mindset, Russ, of he's not ready for me. Right. Right. I I think that's exactly right. To some degree, he's not wrong. Well, I mean, he's right in the sense of the way he does things. Um, Will he be able to continue to do things that way? I don't know, because I don't know what the future holds with um, the cap and and other things. But as far as the call-ups, we we talked about this last show. Uh, It's nice when John says, hey, Lehigh's the most important thing. They've got to make the playoffs and everything. And then he's pulling out plum pieces at different times and – even kind of getting it wrong as far as what the impact might be on the team down in Lehigh, as far as them losing, them not having some of their best players. There's a fine line with that. And, you know, at this point, me personally, I'll just say this, me personally, with Tyson Forster, I think the time he got was great. He got his first goal. He got some assists. I don't see why he's getting any more time. I think he's more needed in in Lehigh, but John does what John does. So I'm just wondering, you know, your feeling on it. I, I think that Tyson will go back this week and be there for their next game on Sunday. They have a really big gap between games and he missed a couple of games and it did hurt them because he would have been one of their, yeah. obviously one of their better players. 
But, um, you know, they called up Zamula. I think a lot of us were shocked yesterday when we saw Zamula there. And then I talked to him right after practice. He said, yeah, I'm playing tomorrow night. And I was like, wow, okay. Didn't know that. Yeah. Who's coming out? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, so, yeah. I mean, and you only have four call-ups. Right. And Tyson was originally an emergency, but that was changed right. when, the, when the conditions ran out. So now you only have two. And I know they want to look at, as Torts called it, a Flyers D. I think that's Adderne. Yeah. Maybe right. it's Emil Andrea. I doubt nah, it. No, I think it'll be Brink. They've already started to show him on social media. Well, he said a D. Yeah, but the D will be Adderne, but then I think he'll bring up Brink as his last one. Yeah. You know, how's that, how is that going to impact the Phantoms? Because he has said several times, too, that, you know, he really wants that team to go on a long, pronounced run because of the development benefit to that happening. So, okay, well, first they got to get in. Right. Because they're only two or right. four points up and – and I think who is it? Bridgeport has four or two games in hand and four points back, so it, it's not a guarantee they're going to get no. in. So it's a delicate balance for sure. But I mean, I think it's important for especially a guy like Forster to get some minutes because you know this, Russ. I am a huge believer in if you get up and get a taste and then go into an off season with the knowledge of what it tastes mm-hmm. like, you can prepare so much. No, better. I agree. But, yeah, and that, I think that I think Forster's a guy that. He, to me, he looks ready for the NHL, um, and next year he's going to have to knock the door down at camp. He's going to have to earn it because, like, York didn't earn it this no. year. So he's going to have to earn it in camp, and if he does that, having that taste of what it's like in the NHL, then he'll be he'll be there for the remainder of his, you know, hopefully his career. Yeah, I think so, too. It's just uh, what's going on in Lehigh right now makes me a little nervous, and I think there's – well, some the guys risk level has not been acknowledged, I think, yeah. by Tortorella and and that side of things. Yeah, I mean, so. it's getting tight in Lehigh, too, because some guys are struggling. Oh, yeah. Sam Arison yeah. is struggling. Oh, no, he's struggling. Yep. We talked about yeah. it. And, yeah. and, and I like Sam. Me too. And you know how I am about goalies, right? But this whole notion after he played six games in the NHL, oh, you can trade hard with Sam Arison. Saddle. I know. We've been saying that, we too. We don't have to always make definitive statements right away. No. <laughs> you know? He struggled. Yeah. Ronnie Adder struggled. Brink struggling. Oh, Brink struggling a lot of it. He had a goal the other day, yeah. but he's he's struggling. And I talked to Zamula on Monday and after practice, and he was just raving about, you know, being able to be down there, play all situations, and being allowed to make mistakes. You know, like, he, and you know how he is. He he sounds like Briz a little bit. Yeah, I make mistakes. I don't worry about you know the whole about getting pulled out of the lineup. Yeah, coaches are okay if I make mistakes. Is and it, it gives them a chance to coach me. So I thought that was interesting. That is, except because it's going to change need- now, now that he's up. Because there is a difference yeah. in coaching. That's the other thing that drives us a little crazy is um, the lack of a little bit of cohesiveness. I would rather Torts have LePerrier sort of run his system than just kind of let LePerrier do his own thing for the situation that you just talked about. Because now it's going to be like different with John. Yeah, you have to assimilate yourself to new responsibility or being in different places and coupled with different messages and different players, different messaging. So, I mean, you always – remember the Phillies called up Scott Kingery for his first game? Oh, yeah. And they they, they didn't play him in his natural position. They're like, you're playing left field. (laughs) Right. (laughs) He's like, I'm a second baseman. Right. (laughs) This doesn't make sense. You're not putting me in a chance to succeed. Right. So I, it's kind of like that in some way. I'm actually kind of shocked you, know, you just talked baseball, but okay. Yeah, you did. Well, I just filled my quota for the year. 
Yeah. And putting guys in the position to succeed, I think, has been an issue, right, over the past several years. And so it's kind of changed how this team has to approach things now, I think, ultimately. So uh, one of the things that Torts has said is that, you know, you have to subtract before you add. But um, is that really the right approach? And is it or is it the only approach at this point? I think the first time he said it, he was on my podcast and he said, uh, we need addition by subtraction. I'm going, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. I know the old saying. Yeah, no, you know? we do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I get the notion of, yeah, we can't, we're limited in contracts, so we can't add people unless we get rid of people. Like I get all that, but that's semantics and what he's, to me, what he's saying. Here's, here's my big question. Addition by subtraction is fine at the accountant's office. You know, we got rid of uh, Bob or Jane because they didn't carry their water. They didn't do enough of their work. And they end up making us have to work more. But just getting rid of them, we're more efficient and we're better as a company. But hockey's not the accounting office because 18 guys play, (laughs) you know, and you just don't get rid of somebody. Okay, we'll play 17. We're, you know, addition by subtraction. And what does addition by subtraction mean? Does it mean... Kevin Hayes, right? That's the well, he's the guy we we think of first with that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the one that goes boop, 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 you know the whole thing. Okay, so okay, I get rid of Kevin Hayes. And what am I replacing him with? Am I replacing him with a guy that can match the points? Is that guy as expensive, more expensive, less expensive? Is that guy younger, older, the same age? What is addition by subtraction? Mean? So let's let's talk Kevin Hayes for a minute because one of my things with this when John said this was. Okay, so I thought of Kevin Hayes and said, you're playing him a 3C. If you really want him gone, you should be playing him at least at 2C because at his price point, if he starts to do something at 2C, teams will be like, okay, he's worth it. At 3C at that price point, he's not worth it. You're not going to get nearly as much. I I think you're caught in semantics here. I don't think they have a 1C, a 2C, or a 3C. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I think, I, I okay, they may not have a 1 or a 2. Are you of line rushes? <laughs> well, but hold on. They may not have a 1 or a 2, but Hayes is clearly the 3 because he doesn't take the important faceoffs. He wasn't out there the other night with 0.7 seconds to go. He's not out there in any true important situations that I see. But if you're trying to win a game, are you going to put him on the ice? And well, I got to try and trade games? him, though. I do. So maybe I have to hope. But I also got to protect the asset, too. Yeah. I can't put the asset in a position to look worse. Yeah. Which, look, I think they moved him into the middle, obviously, to up his trade value. Yeah. So that he could still no question. That, that's what I was going to say, is that I, I feel like the moving him back to center was their admission the that they're trying to, to yeah. trade him. And, you know, they'll see what he can do there. And honestly, I think it's been helpful for him. I think that, you know, maybe the points aren't on the board, but he seems happier on the ice and he seems to be doing at least a few more things. That's fair. To, to say, like, you know, I think his, you know, puck management has gotten a little better and he seems more engaged in five on five play. He had a great game against Buffalo. He really did. Yeah. I thought he played decent against Carolina. All right. We'll have more with Jason coming up next. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Indeed. If you don't have players on the field or the ice with the right skills, whether it's breakaway speed or playmaking ability, you're going to have a tough time winning. And the same goes for your business. Indeed is a fast, simple way to make sure you're hiring MVPs. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. One of the things that I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. You can find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 90% of employers get quality candidates as soon as they sponsor their job post. Candidates you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search. So start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked on. Offer is valid through March 31st. That's Indeed.com slash locked on to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Look, those veteran players, I think that are 28 and above, when they're in this situation of playing at the strings so pronounced that you know you're not going to the playoffs, I think those are guys where human nature takes over more than it does for young guys trying to prove themselves. You know, Noah Cates is trying to prove himself still. Cam York is doing the same thing. So is Morgan Frost, so is Owen Tippett. They're trying to create, you know, what they are as NHL players. Everybody knows what Kevin Hayes is. And at this point, playing out the string, there is going to be a higher level of engagement in the game. It's just, it's just human nature. Right. So let's talk about something else. So you brought up Frost and Cates. And what was interesting to me was I felt like Frost <clears throat> should have been out on the ice with 0.3 to go because Cates was running 30% that day on faceoffs. Now, when Torts has it in his mind that this is his kind of guy like Cates is, because Cates is terrific away from the puck. He's really good defensively. His offense is a little stymied when he's playing up because he shouldn't be uh, even a 2C at this point in his career. But Frost is almost there. Frost is is has got quicker hands and it just and Frost was having a really good game made no sense to me I don't know what you felt about that why not put both on the ice yeah put both then that's fine you know I mean I'd be fine with that yeah I mean the the draws as you see Russ I mean they've been I know for the most part this year they've been better lately which is amazing because on Friday's game you know they won the face-off battle and they actually ran a play off a D-zone faceoff, which got Owen Tippett the hat trick. Right. I asked Torts and Saturday, I said, I mentioned this on the podcast, but I'm pretty sure that was a set play. He goes, oh, yeah. And Tony threw a perfect lob wedge. Yeah. That just died. Right. That tip skated into in the neutral zone. But as soon as I saw the play, I, I said to Brian Smith, I said, I think they just ran a set play off a of faceoff. I haven't seen so that. So this is where the bar, the bar is so low that if they actually do that, <laughs> we we're like, wow. This is unbelievable. Yeah, because they've been horrible <laughs> at the face-off circle. You can't run a set play. You have to have the assumption. If you, that you, you have to win, win them draw. first, right? right. Yeah. yeah. You can't have a guy fly in the zone where you have no confidence you're going to win it. No, that's and true. as soon as that puck hit the ice, Tip was 
gone. And we, and one thing we've learned about him, there's a lot we've learned this year, good, bad, and indifferent, but we've learned that kid can skate. <laughs> and I'm blown away by his skating. So, um, yeah, I mean, in that game, Russ, I put them both on the ice. Yeah. I don't have a problem. I'm with fine that. with that. Yeah. Because yeah, I have Frost out there, then on the draw, because as you said, he does have better hands, and he was having better success in the circle. Yep. So I totally agree there. Kate did not good on faceoffs yet. Never played center before this year. Now you're asking to develop that right. very unique skill right. against the best guys in the world. Not only that, but one of the top two guys on the opposition when you do do it. Right. Like Lawton was always a decent faceoff guy. Yes. He was facing the third best guy, though. Yeah. Because he had Katuri and Giroux. Right. I mean, that's a tough ask. And then you still have Cates there for the detail structure part of his game. Correct. Yeah, I think that would have been the perfect perfect compliment. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. And then the problem is, though, is that Provorov pushed the puck right (laughs) to the Carolina player on the back door. Yeah. Yeah. I've watched it 100 times. I'm still trying to figure out why he pushed the puck to the middle. I mean, you know, there's some rules in hockey. That's like rule one, right? Even me learning to play hockey as an adult never yeah. push the puck to the middle in the d zone <laughs> right <laughs> never push the puck to your own blue paint yeah put it this way everything you try and do offensively you try and prevent defensively yeah that's it's just a flip of the ice so if in the offensive zone you want to get to the high danger chances get to the house you know the area in the middle of the ice if you want to get in the house and then at the other end just think about it the other way i need to keep them out of the house you know and just like you were warning before uh like that accounting office um item you talked about if you trade Provorov, who is highly tradable still there's no question you have to do have to wonder who plays the minutes who do you put there how much did i just lose in fast skating because my defense doesn't to me the defense does not skate fast enough laterally as a group they all need to work on it even york and if that's the case, and he's the best conditioned athlete on the team, like there is no easy replacement for Ivan Provorov right now. That's why I wouldn't trade him. Well, yeah, there's a couple of things with that. First of all, you know, trades in sports, when I did sports radio, we need to trade so-and-so or we need to fire the coach. I go, well, if not him, who? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And are you better if not him with who? Right. And you got to figure that out. And then there's – you know, when you're talking about the roster, when you're not talking about a coach that are not under the restrictions of a cap, how does that element fit into the cap, both now, the next three years, and the next five years? And what do you have coming, you know, based on that as well? So there's a lot of elements there. But Provorov has the best ability in sports. It's availability. Because I, I say this all the time. I do not care how good you are if you cannot get stay on the field of play. Right. It doesn't matter sitting in the press box or in the training room doesn't do me any good. I think Torts feels that way too. And that's why he mentioned Wade Allison nine times the other day. It, precise. I totally agree. I mean, <laughs> that's exactly, he is the converse. There's some guys in life. It's the movie unbreakable. There's Bruce Willis who never gets hurt. Right. Throws his body around, no care and everything. Right. That's Ovechkin. That's Ovechkin. Yeah. yeah. And then there's other guys that are careful. And are always hurt, sick, whatever, right? Same thing with people that are lucky. You have some friends, you're like, Jesus, everything goes your way. It drives <laughs> right. you crazy, right? Right, right. And then you have other friends, you're like, could anything worse happen to you this right. month? You know, right. the car got hit coming out of the, the Acme. 
the everything goes wrong, right? You ran over a, a nail. The other guys never run over a nail on his tire. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. You know, Provorov is, he's a polarizing guy, I think, in the room. Uh, but he is always available. And if you're going to replace, that's not an easy replacement. It's not. He, he's such a well-conditioned athlete, too. Like, he can yep. play. He's the best-conditioned athlete on the team still. He is. Not even close, right? And there's some guys that came in much better, yeah. much better conditioned than ever before. I mean, I see when I get to the rink for games that start at 7, at 345, he's already going opening up the hips. Oh, yeah. He was doing it the other day in um, New Jersey. In the hallway. In the hallway um, at, I want to say, 2 o'clock for the 7 o'clock game, maybe 2.30. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, you know, and that's what I expect from him. That's That's his routine. It works for him. I get the other things, but – He's irreplaceable at this point, at this moment. Yeah, and, and unless you want to take a step backwards, and that's ultimately the biggest question I have right now. Yeah. I, you know, before they fired Chuck, I thought my whole thing was, no matter what you do this summer, what kind of changes you make, whatever addition by subtraction you mean, it cannot be a step backwards. Because the optics of going backwards after the greatest draft since 2003 are not good. You know? Right. No, I, I agree with you. Although the optics are already bad that you only have one pick uh, in the first two rounds. In the first two rounds. And, and that was like the message of the entire front office, not just Chuck. We don't want to hang this just on Chuck. But the entire front office was, hey, we want to be big players in this. And it's like, yeah, you're a big player in the third round. But by the third round, yeah. it's a lot more guesswork even in this draft. And, and a lot of that was self-inflicted. Yes. You know, so that that's the other part of it. You know, you don't want to be stuck and plum with draft picks in the year after the greatest draft. You wanted it right. in this draft. Right. So the, if you do that and you move forward, okay, you go, okay. Okay. We made another progressive step forward. And we got another player who in a couple of years, maybe we get them up to. Yeah. And we're arcing, right? We're beginning our arc of ascension. If you go, if you take a step back next year after the three years that just took place and this 2023 draft, then that's bad optics. But I don't know how much that changes now with Danny and right. know, obviously the admission of rebuild and and all of that stuff. But you know, rebuild. There's no clock on rebuild. You know, rebuild clocks can change at the drop of a dime. They can they can. It's going to change for some teams on May 8th, whether they get Bedard, Fantilli, or somebody else. Along those lines, though, it's making me think about does this team even like have a core anymore? And does that matter? Because we're in a rebuild and, and you know, you're trying to build around a core. And I just don't think the Flyers have one, especially with Couturier and Cam Atkinson not playing this season. It just hasn't felt like there's anything to kind of mold the team around. And we have like we have some, you know, moderate veterans and then we have some you know not elite but good prospects in there but there's no like solid group yet and i think that's okay for right now but i don't think that is gonna be okay for very long no it's not they're an avocado they're just missing the middle pit you know what i mean <laughs> you, you need that they do have a lot of nhl pieces like, look at them mm -hmm. at right wing. I mean, they're, they they're loaded there. They're going to have to move Tippett, I think, to the off wing. Yeah. Cam Atkinson comes back healthy. But, you know, when you look at it, they have a lot of pieces. I do think they have the beginning stages of a young core. Mm -hmm. and I think that's Cates, Tippett, 
probably Konechny to some extent, although he's a little older than those guys. And then Frost is one that maybe there's a little bit, still a little bit of jury out on him. Yeah, but why? He's uh, actually got more points than Cates. He's got 33 points. He's been than Tippett. Yeah, I mean, why is there this hesitation on Frost, but not on Tippett? Because like you know, Tippett obviously could have a way better shooting percentage and a lot more points, but Frost seems to be the fallback. Like on well, I don't know. He's kind of the the um, the whipping boy a little bit, a little bit because they expect so much out of him. Mm-hmm. And even though Tippett was taken higher in the draft than Frost was too. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, I mean, you do have to consider that Frost, two of his games had eight points total. The two Arizona games, he had four points in each of them. But mm-hmm. um, no, I mean, I think there's still a question there on Frost from the coaching staff and can he be consistent enough? And I, and I think when you look at it, Rust, no player in the fire system's development was more, all over the place than his. And that's not, wasn't anybody's fault. True. But he's had a multitude of coaches too. Yeah. That and injuries and pandemic. And I think he got derailed almost at every turn at the wrong time. Yeah. He was looking good with Giroux and then his shoulder injury hit. Yeah. Yeah, There's no question. He was an AHL all-star and then the pandemic hit, you know, and just all these things seem to knock him sideways, but it seems like now he pulled back on the stick and he's got the nose up. Yeah. And he's pointing in the right direction. So to me, I don't, I feel like I don't have to make a decision on him. Like the end of this year isn't, you know, this whole notion of we're finding out who's who and what's what. Well, there's not a deadline. It's not like I have to submit. Well, on some players, roster. there is. Like last year, yeah. I, I said I wouldn't have re signed Wade Allison for this year because he's too injury prone. Now that again he's too injury prone, I probably can't re sign him. You know, we always talk about running backs in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, when they step out of bounds instead of taking the hit for the extra yard, yard and a half. Yeah, yeah. And we called it a business decision. Yeah. Wade doesn't make business decisions. No. <laughs> He's just crashing all over the place. He is. And, and if you're going to have him on your team, you got to expect he's going to miss 20 to 25 games a year because of the way yes. he plays with reckless abandon. Because I don't think he's going to change that. No. So if you're okay with that and you can overcome that, then fine. The Flyers aren't in a position to overcome much right now. No, if anything, because of the the thinness of the roster, um, I like him when he's healthy. But again, like I talked about with Provorov, the most important ability is availability and his lacks. Um, and you know it's coming, you know. Yeah, he he's Samuel L. Jackson, and because he plays with reckless abandon, so yeah, my unbreakable parallel. Well, so, I I got to ask this question. I'll ask we got it. baseball, we got football, we, we got a movie. Yeah, we're I'm not going to give you basketball. So no, 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 that's fine. <laughs> uh, I did get asked this on air by by Mick Curran, so I'm going to throw it at you because he threw it at me and he said, "Who is the one flyer you build around? Then what are you like?" And I said, He's "Not here yet." <laughs> well, see, I I said it, it's Carter Hart. If if they go to him this summer and he says he still wants to be here, if it's not, you know, then it's going to have to be one of some of the other guys you have, but I said it would be Carter Hart. Like that would be my first choice because yeah. there is no goalie in the system that can replace him. If you want to trade him now, then you are going to have the hope that in three years you have another goalie. And if they start going down the two-year goalie path like the Sabres and other teams have and the Flyers used to have, that could be disastrous even when your team is good. The other element is I think it's hard to kind of name the goalie as the guy to build around because uh-huh. you just have to have good goaltending no matter what. Because I think that this is something I asked Danny about when I had him on last week. I said, you know, what is your philosophy on goaltending in a rebuild? 
mm-hmm. because we've seen several teams, whether it was Toronto in their rebuild or saw, still seeing it in Buffalo to some extent when they let Allmark go. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen it in Phoenix. They have Vimelko, but they were willing to let him go mm-hmm. all over. And my point is it's really hard to evaluate where you are in a rebuild if you don't have goaltending. Right. Be- because you're, you can, a, a good goalie can keep you, and it helps your development too as a team because mm-hmm. it keeps you in games and allows you to play more games that mean more. You know, meaningless hockey doesn't develop players. I think no. meaningful hockey does. And having a goaltender that can keep you in games and engaged in more minutes and more actual games, I think helps development. And then you can properly measure it because right. I'm a firm believer that. You know, hockey's a game of mistakes and you can't be afraid to make them or you will. Right. And I mean, that's just the way it is. And it's and, true. And you, if every time you make a mistake, you're pulling the puck out of the back of your net, you cannot play the game properly. So if you don't have a guy you have any faith in back there, you are going to be so guarded in the way you play. It's not even conscious. It's a subconscious thing for play. And they're not going to take any risk in it. Yeah, that's game. how Buffalo had that 10-goal game with the Stars. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have anybody in net that's stopping the puck. Guys are just like, I don't know what else to do. Yeah, and and, and every time they were pulling it out of the back of their net, and there's and there's a lasting effect to it, too. So, um, look, Hart's got one more year, and then he's still an RFA. Yeah. I would not sign him to an extension right now, um, you know, on July 1st when he's available to before next season, and here's why. And if I'm Hart, I'm not doing that either. I'm waiting because, A, I need to know the economics of what's coming. And the longer I wait, the better I have a better picture I have on the economics of the NHL. You know, the whole Bally's thing and everything else. I think if you're the Flyers, though, you have to at least put out the vibe that you're wanted. Oh, definitely. have to do that. Communication on that is absolutely there. Yeah. But I don't sign the deal. Okay. Especially, especially because I don't think he would sign eight anyhow. I think he would only sign five, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't go eight on a goalie, and you know how I feel no. about the position. I don't go eight on a goalie. Period. No, I think it would anyway. be five. If I'm hard, I wait, and if I'm hard, hard's agent, I'm telling him to wait because I need to know what percentage of the cap X amount of dollars is going to be, and I don't know that yet. I don't know what that escalation might be. So there's a lot of elements there that I still need information on from a business standpoint. But yeah, I think that I think it's super important that you have good goaltending and a rebuild because, you know, I've seen it. We've seen it with too many teams trying to rebuild, and it just seems like they're just peeling themselves backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards, and never far forward and never really gaining any. You know, they're walking on a treadmill of rebuild, and without goaltending, you'll never be able to actually move forward and get off that treadmill. I think uh, that is a good point to end it on. It uh, is. It's the most important, goaltending. <laughs> yeah. No, it really is. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can people find you out there? I am all over the place. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Flyers Daily every day. Um, you can get that, obviously, on all the podcast platforms, Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, all that stuff, Spotify. Um, and then also Stick to Hockey Live, uh, which we do a couple days a week live. And then also available on demand as well on the, all the same platforms. Uh, the Odd G's podcast with Harry Mays that I do and stick to F1. So, All right. Thanks again, Jason. Anytime.
All right. Once again, thanks to Jason Martinez. That was a lot of fun. And uh, I especially appreciated the Carter Hart conversation. Yeah, it's a good conversation to have. It is. It really is. All right. We will be back again tomorrow with the latest Flyers news. We're going to talk a little bit about Nolan Meyer, who's that other goaltender in the system who's been playing for Lehigh Valley and Reading. And we'll have your mailbag questions answered. So send them in via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at LockdownFlyers at Gmail, or you can comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Thanks for making Lockdown Flyers your first listen today. Now make your next listen game to game NHL. It's every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NHL with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. It's on the Locked On NHL feed anywhere you get your podcasts. Have a great day, everyone. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.